Area 10 Faith Community meets in the historic Bird Theater in Carytown in Richmond, Virginia at 9.30 and 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. We hope you'll be able to join us, but in the meantime, enjoy this recording of last week's message. So how do you make decisions? Now there's little decisions and then there's big decisions, right? And in the little decisions, I think we use, we all make decisions in a, in a sort of similar way. You, you, you kind of, because you got thousands of them you have to make every day. And, and a lot of us make those decisions kind of in, a, in some combination of like, I think this is what I'm supposed to do and, and what we might call like our gut. Like my gut's telling me I should make this call or whatever. Turns out that our gut is, is a real thing in this, in this conversation or the way we think about it. Um, th- there was a, a study done because there was a guy who had, I think this was back in the 80s, a guy had brain damage. And one of the things, uh, part of the damage that he received was that he would no longer was able to feel emotions. So think about how great and terrible that would be. Like convenient at times, but then awful at other times, like the stuff of life like that you're missing out on. Well, one of the things that they were surprised about, that what they discovered in studying this guy, is that when he lost the ability to feel, he lost the ability to make decisions on like simple stuff. Like if he would go to a restaurant, he couldn't decide whether to order the chicken or the beef um, because so much of a decision even like that is kind of like something like a feeling. The only way he could decide how to order things on a, on a menu was to say like, well, how much sodium does that have? And how much does that have? And I'll just take the one that has less or something like that. Um, it, it, it's amazing uh, how, how for those, those quick decisions, how much our, our mind and our hearts are tied together on, on some of that stuff. But what about the bigger decisions? What about the, the major growth opportunities, the things that come our way, that go down this path or that path, the, kind of the life-altering stuff? How do we make those decisions? I think for a lot of us, we go through some, some sort of list. So there's a couple kind of things that we will do when we make big, big decisions. Like number one, you might ask your parents. If your parents have a lot, of, a lot to teach you, you might go like, hey, what, what do you think I should do about this? And you ask them because maybe they've dealt with it before or something like that, and it's great. Or uh, you might ask a friend. You got a phone a friend option. You go like, all right, what do you think I should do? And your friend knows you really well. Well, you know, you should go there because you're like this and that's not going to go well for you. And that, that could be pretty helpful in making decisions, asking a friend, right? Number three, you might go see a counselor or a pastor or a coach, just someone in your life that you go, oh, I think this person has something to offer and they know some things that I don't and they have some insight maybe and I'm going to go talk to them and sit down with them and get their take on my situation and see what they advise. You know, that, like, that could be really helpful. Um, number four, you might read books or articles on the topic, um, except nobody reads books anymore, so really you're going to read like your Facebook feed on the topic, <laughs> or you'll YouTube it to see if there's an answer there somewhere, uh, but you're going to read something and go like, okay, what's the Huffington Post advice? I don't know, like what, what, what is on this thing, and do I vaccinate or not? I don't know, there's an article about that, like whatever. So you read the things, like sometimes to make decisions, we want to get more informed, more knowledge. Number five, you might consult the Magic 8-Ball. Um, in my childhood, that's, all, that's how we made all our decisions. My sources say no. Um, number six, what you might do if you're religious, you might pray and ask God, God, what do you want me to do? And you pray and you have this time and you're like, man, I got a tough decision. I'm going to go ask God and see, you know, what, what is he calling me to do? Um, and then number seven, you might uh, read scripture. If you're, again, if you're religious and you go like, okay, my faith should inform the decisions that I make. So I'm going to read the scripture and find out the wisdom that's in there. Now, you might think because I'm a pastor, I'm going to be like, really, don't do any of that stuff except like the last two. Those are the important ones, you know? 
And I do see a lot of value in those. In fact, I see value in most of the list, uh, that, that there's a, a lot of good things that you can do there to make uh, decisions. But I want to walk you through what I think is maybe a better way of, of, of approaching our hard stuff, our tough decisions, than even those things. Uh, and I want to walk you through some of the questions that we might ask ourselves to get to better decisions. And I, and I want to do it um, from the context of Scripture, which we'll get to in a moment, because I think there's an incredible amount of wisdom in the Scriptures about how we navigate the hard stuff of life. We've been in this series for the last couple weeks, and it's basically six weeks we're talking about how to be better. Um, it's a series called Better, and we're just looking at um, what are these habits, what are these different things that we can pick up, and what are some things maybe we should set down that are going to help us grow and change. All of us want to be something. Some of us are very ambitious about that, some of us not very ambitious. But I think if you look inside yourself, you'd go, there's things I don't like about me, there's things I want to change, there's things I want to be better. Um, and so what are some of the things that we can do along the way to get there? And, and, and I think this is a key conversation because so much of us wanting to be better is going to happen, we're going to get better when we make different decisions. And those decisions are going to change our future, but, but we actually have to look at how we make those decisions and, and why we make the ones that we do. So... Um, as we, as we come to a crossroads and you have to make a decision, I think we tend to ask ourselves some, some of the same kind of questions. Uh, and, and let me just run through a couple of them. And these are good questions. They're just not the best question. Uh, number one, the question we ask ourselves is, what do I want to do? So what you want, what you desire, that always gets a vote, right? Hey, what do I want to do? So it's like, man, I, I really should go to the gym. Yeah, but what do I want to do? I want to sleep in. I, want to, I don't want to go to the gym because the lights are too bright and it's cold outside and the weights are so heavy. Like, like we have all the things, right? Like, what do you want to do? Because, and, and this is important because ultimately we all do what we want to do. So let's look at your wants and desires. Let's not pretend like you don't have them. So we want to look at this question, what do I want to do? But the problem with that as the only filter that we would use for making decision is that what we want to do is not always good for us. And sometimes what we want to do is pretty stupid, right? You have, you have this in your history. You have this in your history. I have this in mine. Have you dated someone that you shouldn't have? Why did you do that? Because you wanted to. You were like, I want to date this person. They, they'll, they will make me so happy. This is going to be so amazing. And like a year, you know, a week, a month, a year, five years later, you're going, that was a mistake. That was a terrible idea. Why did I ever think that was? Well, at the time, you thought that was a great idea right? We all have these things, and we should know just from our history, man, when I do what I want to do, it doesn't always go well. Let's just be honest about it, right? So we have that stuff. And so when we ask, what do I want to do? That's an important thing in decision-making to think about, but that's not going to get you there to a good decision. That's, that's not quite enough um, because your, your heart may, you know, your, your heart your, your mind may say no way, but your heart may say yes way, and then you go there, right? Um, I, I think we can, it's a good question, but it's not the, the best question. So we go to another question, number two, what should I do? What should I do? Ah, oh, okay, I'm facing this tough decision, career, relationships, friends, faith. What should I do? That's a good question, but think about it. When you say should, you're now appealing to something outside of yourself. You're saying there's a, a system out there, there's a way of being, there's a philosophy, there's an idea, there's an ideal. All of these things are, and they speak to me in the form of shoulds. 
and they say, you should do this. And maybe it's your mom's voice in your head, maybe it's a teacher, something, but there's something out there that's not you that's telling you, you should do this. And that's not a bad filter to use. I think for a lot of us, choosing what we should do over what we want to do might be beneficial, especially in the short term. Like that could be a, a, good, a good way to go. It's not, it's not a terrible thing. Um, you know, little children do what they want to do. Adults do what they should do. It feels like maturity to ask the question, what should I do? Um, but it's got some problems built into it. Like which are the shoulds that you're listening to? How do you know which voice that you're listening to, how do you know that's the voice that's going to really guide you to the best decision? So if we push beyond what should I do, we start saying things like this, what is the right thing to do? Now, what is the right thing to do is a great question. In fact, kids, teenagers, ask yourself this question before you do anything. Just get in the habit of asking this question. It's a great question to ask. What is the right thing to do? And it feels like you can't go wrong when you ask that question. Man, if I would just do the right thing. And some of you who are like rule follower personalities, this is your jam. Wow, just do the right thing. And man, if, if you do the right thing and it still goes badly for you, you can sleep at night because you're like, but I did the right thing. Like you've, you've probably experienced that. Like you did the right thing. It went poorly, but you did the right thing and it feels good, right? Because right feels right. Right feels better than like having friends. Like it's just, right? Like, how many times on, on social media you're like, someone's saying something wrong. I'm going to tell them what is right because I can't let their wrongness exist in the world. Like, I'm, we're not going to be friends anymore after this, but I'm going to tell them what's right because right feels really good. It's a good question to ask. And, and truthfully, man, do I want people doing the right thing versus doing what they want to do all the time? Should I be doing the right thing rather than what I feel like doing? Yeah, that's great. That's great. But it's limited because not every decision you face is a matter of right and wrong, Right? Should I go to this school or this school? Should I join the military or do this? Like, it, I don't know. It's not right or wrong. You're not doing a bad thing when you choose one or the other. There's not morally good or evil in so many decisions. Should I date this person or this person? So that may not be a right or wrong thing. Should I take this job over here or take this job here? That, that stuff isn't always, doesn't always fall cleanly into matters of right and wrong. So the question, what is the right thing to do? It just doesn't get you there. It, it, it's good, but it won't take you all the way for, for the decision-making that you need. And now all of these questions are, are really matters of, of knowledge and, and what you know. And Scripture points us to the value of knowledge, but it actually points us to something deeper than that, something that's better than knowledge, better than grabbing out advisors, better, better than working off of a gut feeling. And if we, if we dial into what I want to give you here from the Scripture, I, I think this will change us and it will it will change the way we make decisions and it will change our outcomes. Um, there's a lot of uh, great stuff, especially in the Old Testament, around, um, around decisions, around um, understanding and knowledge and all that. And there's this, this collection of books in the Old Testament it's called Wisdom Literature. Uh, one of them is, is the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is written from King Solomon in roughly the year 900 BC. And he's writing to his son, and he's giving these instructions, here's the things I've learned in life. And you've heard many of them before. Um, but listen to the way the book of Proverbs starts, how he, how he starts out his conversation. The Proverbs of Solomon, Proverbs chapter 1, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. 
Five times in these seven verses, it uses the word wise or, or the word wisdom. Um, this is what it's trying to point us to that is greater than, than knowledge. Um, knowledge is, is good, but the book of Proverbs is not a knowledge literature. It is wisdom literature. Um, the, it's not trying to get us to know some things about things. It's trying to get us to be wise. We all know things. We have knowledge base, right? You know who was president of the United States in 1998. You know what the capital of England is. You know your mother's maiden name. Like we have, we have knowledge. And if you have a particular field that you're in, a career path or whatever, you have a lot of knowledge. Maybe I know more about church life than I do about biochemistry. Well, it's a knowledge base, like I should. I'm, I'm in that thing, right? And you've got your things too. Knowledge is really valuable. Um, and, and the Bible points us to that too. The, the Hebrew word in the Old Testament for knowledge is yada. And it's interesting the way it's used. You, you'll see it pop up in Proverbs some, and, and, and we think about it in like knowledge, knowing stuff, like understanding the facts and the details. But it's also used when it says Adam knew Eve and she gave birth to a son. Um, when it, so Adam knows her. We're not just talking about he knows her, you know, her favorite color. We're talking about something much more intimate than that. So knowledge goes maybe even deeper than just I know something. But contrast that uh, with wisdom because in order to make great, great decisions, we need wisdom, not just knowledge. Uh, wisdom is a Hebrew word, hakam, and the root of that Hebrew word is a, a word that means heat. So in the root of the Hebrew word for wisdom is the smaller word heat. Now, uh, ancient Hebrew writing, you're going to read this right to left, and they use pictograms. Current, currently, they don't write that way, but in the ancient world, they would use pictograms. And so you'd, you'd have these little pictures that represent things, and that's how you get the word. So the word for heat in Hebrew uh, as the root of wisdom is uh, this, this little thing on the right that for, to us looks like a ladder, but to them it would represent a wall that separates something. And then the left would be water like the rivers. So um, heat then is something that, that separates the waters. Um, and you're like, that's kind of weird, except if you think about what happens to water when you boil it, um, it separates, right? It becomes steam up here and then some water down here. So th this idea that heat separates the water um, or that there's this wall to separate one from the other. This idea is baked into the Hebrew idea of wisdom. Wisdom is that we would have, uh, we would apply heat to our knowledge and we would separate some things out and then we would have some understanding. It's a cool idea, right? Think about how we talk about bringing the heat in our culture. If you bring the, someone said to me this morning before I got up here to speak, they're like, bring the heat today. I was like, it's, it's funny you say that. I, I'm I'm going to, I promise, I will bring heat, but it's a different, anyway, uh, we didn't have time to get into it, but, but, but we say bring the heat uh, when someone's going to speak. We say bring the heat like, you know, at a, at a basketball game if they did really well, like, oh man, you brought the heat tonight, it was awesome, you know, or whatever. Um, that's how we use it. What we mean is intensity. What if we could look at heat or bringing the heat as bringing um, understanding to our knowledge? What, what if we brought some heat to a situation and go like, man, I want to separate things out here and really understand, and in doing so, I will become wise. Uh, so the most helpful question we can ask ourselves then in light of that is not what do I want to do or what should I do or what's the right thing to do, but it's what is the wise thing to do? What is the wise thing to do? Because there's lots of stuff you can do, but is it all wise? Like some stuff's 
unwise, right? Um, Proverbs chapter two, the next chapter, Solomon says this, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He is pushing his son and saying, look, you're gonna have to go after this with all of your heart. It's not easy not everybody finds this. People are just going to wander through and continue to do stupid things. And if you're going to avoid that, you're going to have to really go for this and seek the Lord. Seek God. Ask him to give you wisdom, to give you understanding, to bring heat to your situation so that you'll, you'll get it. Now, now, when I say what is the wise thing to do, I think that statement needs a little bit of context. Because we could, we could ask ourselves that, well, what's the wise thing to do? And our response is going to be, I don't know, I'm just gonna do what I wanna do. Or I don't know, I guess I should do what I should do. I do a should or something like that. Like, uh, we need some context to wisdom. And w- uh, here's a great way that I think to help us understand wisdom. Wisdom is the intersection in the moment of, of uh, hindsight, insight, and foresight. It's the in- intersection in this decision of where I came from, where I'm at right now, and where I wanna go. So let me, let me break that down for you a second. Um, it, it, wisdom includes hindsight. In hindsight, the question is, what is in my past? This is why we study history, because we want to learn from it. Corporately, as a nation, as a culture, as people, what have we done? What have we learned? What are, so we won't do it again next time. But even if you look back on your own life, with hindsight, you can go, oh, I have these things in my past. Therefore, in this decision right here, based on my past, how would I make this decision now? Like, what would be the wise thing to do? Because... I know how this went for me last time I tried this, you know, that kind of thing, right? We can, we can let our past inform our situation going forward. I have a lot of friends who uh, are currently or maybe have been alcoholics and, uh, you know, an addiction, and they kind of walk through that. And the way they describe it to me is they say, Chris, you know how um, you have a drink or two and then you're done? For me, to have a drink means I'm going to have two, which means I'm going to have ten, like, it just doesn't stop. Um, a lot of people in AA are, and will say, like, they, after that first drink, I lose the power of choice. Like, I can't, I, it just goes there all the time, and that's, and that's different. Um, I, I heard a great quote this morning, actually. F. F Scott Fitzgerald said, uh, you know, you have a drink, and then your drink has a drink, and then eventually your drink has you. And that's kind of the progression of it. Uh, and I thought, man, that's, that's really... Um, that's really powerful. Well, if that's your past, if you have this in your past and you know how that goes for you, then when opportunities, decisions are made in the moment, when things come up and you go, oh, this wedding has an open bar. Okay, is it wrong to have a drink at the wedding at the open bar? I would say no. Probably not wrong um, for most people. It's, it's probably not wrong. Yeah, okay, you can have a drink, whatever, you know, celebrate, you're married, it's great. Um, but for someone who's got that in their past, is it wise to have a drink at the open bar? Maybe not. Like, it, I guess not. It, 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 you've got this. You, you're looking in hindsight and going, this is unwise for me to do it. Could I do it and not be wrong morally? Maybe. But is it wise thing to do? No, it's, it's not. Um, and, and, and think about that uh, hindsight. Think about, oh, I want to date this person. I've dated people like this person in the past, and how did that end up? 
oh, I have a type or whatever, you know, like, and this doesn't go well for me. Like, think about hindsight. Where have I been in my past? And therefore, is this actually a wise decision? But hindsight's not everything because we're not all of who we used to be. We've grown. We've changed some. We're different people, right? So that's why we have to look at currently, insight. Um, let me, let me, but let me, let me give you Romans 15, uh, on, on hindsight, Romans 15, he says this, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Paul says, man, stuff has been written down before, and we're going to learn from that history, and it's going to inform you now, and it's going to guide you towards, towards hope. Um, that's, that's hindsight. Okay, but we also need to consider the second thing, which is insight. When you talk about insight, we're talking about what is my current reality, um, what, are you, what are you focused on right now? Yes, you've done some things in the past, but how are things going for you in this moment? Uh, God calls his people to think through that in the scriptures. In fact, in his relationship with the Israelites in the Old Testament, there was a situation where the Israelites were, were in exile and uh, they, were, they were away from their homeland and they were away from Jerusalem. Jerusalem had been ransacked and destroyed and so the, the walls of the city are destroyed the temple, which is like the house of the Lord, God's house is destroyed. And the people were like, I don't think we can rebuild it. I don't think we'll go back and fix that. Um, and God speaks to his people through the prophet Haggai in the Old Testament. And listen to what he says to them about their current reality. He says, then the word of the Lord came, is Haggai chapter one. The word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. This is what God says to him. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And, the one, and he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag of holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. God is calling them to look at closely their current reality. Hey, this is what it's like for you. It's never enough. You're not flourishing here and all the money you make goes, it's like it's in a bag of holes. Consider your ways, he said. Look at the path that you're on right now. And when you're facing critical decisions, you've got to consider your ways. You've got you've to look at insight. You've got to look at what, am, what is my current reality. And that can be a lot of things. History informs that stuff. But like right now, how are you doing? Did you get enough sleep last night? Because you, you don't want to make major life decisions if you got, didn't get enough sleep. Are you hungry right now? Are you hangry? Like... Think about these things as you're facing these decisions. I, I'm in a current mood, a state of being in this moment, and that's going to influence my decisions. I have a professor from college who always used to say, don't make any major life decisions in February. And I'm like, that's great advice. Do you know why? Because outside of Valentine's Day, February has nothing going for it. It has, the, the best thing about it is that it's short. And because Let's be honest, what we want is spring to come. We're ready, bring it on. Come on, April, where are you, right? And so we're February, and so he's, you know, it's kind of funny, but he's just kind of saying like, hey, look, things look dark, the days are short, things look grim, but good things are coming, and it's amazing, and don't make a decision right now that's gonna alter the future. It's amazing how different things will look, maybe. Um, come, come give it a, a month or, or two to kind of let it, let it ride a little bit. Um, consider your ways. And so when you get home at the end of a long day and you want to fall into the sofa with ice cream and Netflix, consider your ways. Consider in that moment. Yeah, maybe it was a long day and you're, you're tired or whatever, but if you have like 20 of those in a row, something else is going on there that you want to consider. Hey, this is my current reality. This is what I'm doing and why. 
um, and to really, and really think it through. So you need hindsight to be wise, to understand the wise thing to do. You need to think of your past, you need to think of your current reality, and then you, lastly, you need foresight. Um, you have to think, where do I wanna go? Like, where is this taking me? Let's go down this road. Proverbs 22, verse three, the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. So as you look down the road of your life after this decision, where does it end up? And don't pretend you don't know, because lots of like, I had no idea. You know, sometimes we don't have an idea, but sometimes we kid ourselves and pretend we don't have an idea. But look down the road and say, where is this decision going to take me? The, the, the prudent person, the wise, is going to see danger there and go, I'm not going there. I'm going to walk this path. Whereas the simple, the unwise, are going to be like, oh, danger, who cares? Let's just walk and I'll deal with that when I get there. Um, a, couple, a couple years ago, my wife and I were uh, going on a hike in somewhere over west of here, and uh, we're going through the woods, and we're out there by ourselves, and we come around this corner and kind of up this little hill, and in front of us, I don't know, maybe 50 yards or something, there's this brown bear, like, sitting on the path, um, and um, I don't know if you've ever come right up to a bear in the wild. It's a thing. It, it makes you think about your life in various ways, um, and uh, also, I was in this space of like, so we, we get up there and I see this bear and I was like, um, I don't know what you're supposed to do when you see a bear. That's not like, it's one of those things you don't think about until you need it in the moment. I'm like, what am I supposed to do when I see a bear in the, in the wilderness? Um, so I did what any of us would do. I asked Siri, Siri, <laughs> what do you do <laughs> when there's a bear? Siri, as Mine's a he, as he often is super unhelpful. Um, so uh, I texted people that I work with from church, and I said, hey, there's a bear. What do I do? And um, it's interesting the responses I got back. <laughs> One of my coworkers said, you should say bear really loud and put your hands up and make yourself look big and then back away slowly. I thought it was a pretty good idea. One of my coworkers said, you're the apex predator, you should attack it. <laughs> I thought that was less of a good idea. I was like, Abby, do you wanna go attack the, you, you, go, you first, and then I'll. So we decided to like turn around and walk away um, and, and go back a ways. And after a while we turned around again and we came back and the bear was gone. Um, I wish I had some cool story of wrestling it or whatever. I, I, Maybe I'm glad I don't have a story like that. Um, but the thing is, the, the wise see the danger ahead and, and, they, and they make a call, you know, and, and go like, I, that's not the direction to go. Whereas the simple might just charge into it and, 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 do, and do the foolish thing. And, and, I, and I think about that when I think about foresight, looking down that path and saying, where is this going? Because we all have future hopes. We want to be better. And is the path you're on, is this decision going to get you closer to the life that you want and to the direction God is calling you or is it going to pull you farther away? Um, you, need to, you need to look, at, look ahead because you can't always know. Um, I know we can't always know what road this will take us down, but we should at least do the work and, and examine the thing. Think about money, uh, your finances, how does spending now versus saving this help your future? Where do you want to go financially? Where do you want to be a year, six years, 20 years, whatever from now? Uh, and and how is that affected by how you spend money right now. Um, relationships. Do you want to date someone now 
uh, that you would not ever want to marry? And if so, if you want to be married, if that's a goal of yours, how is this going to help you get there? Like, think about, is this wise right now based on my future, my future hopes, my future dreams, my future goals, where I want to go? Um, we have to think about that. That helps us to be wise. This is why we tell people to read the scripture because the scripture prepares us for our future, for the inevitable hard times that are coming, getting the word of God in you and through you and so that it can like kind of seep out of you. Uh, getting to that space uh, is very helpful when hard times come. We're investing in our future. We're looking down the road and saying, I don't know exactly what's coming, but something will come and I want to be ready when, when it does. So asking ourselves, what is the wise thing to do? This is a great thing. And it's helpful in considering where we've been, who we are, and where we're going. Um, that's, that's good analysis. Um, and so all of us, like, analyzer, sort of left brain people are like, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. Like, I need to think insight, hindsight, and foresight. I'm going to take this to work tomorrow, and we're going to talk about it in my job, and this is great, you know, all that. But here's the missing ingredient. Here's why it's hard. Because if it, here's why it's hard. Because if it was easy, like, we would just all do it naturally, right? Um, here's the challenge. Knowing the wise thing to do and actually doing the wise thing are different things. So it's one thing to know what's the wise thing to do, and it takes some work to get there. But even if you know it, it doesn't mean you're going to execute it. You're going to make it happen. And for that, we need one final ingredient. We need courage. Now, the Latin word of courage is uh, from the word core, which is the word for heart. And so we think of courage as heartedness. But the Hebrew word for courage that's used all throughout the Old Testament is this word ometz, and it means um, willing to take action. So courage is an action thing. Uh, I had someone tell me this morning, courage is, is fear that said its prayers. Uh, you're, you're afraid, but you're going to pray anyway, and you're going to move forward. Uh, the, the Old Testament in particular talks a lot about courage. And, and about how people need to have it because people are facing some really terrifying things uh, in the ancient world. The, Solomon, who wrote Proverbs, um, his dad, David, said these words to him in 1 Chronicles 28, 20. Listen to what he said. David also said to Solomon, his son, be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. So David says to his son, the son who grows up to be a man who writes Proverbs for his son, David says to him, be strong and courageous, be omets, be, be uh, willing to take action. And he says, and do the work, get it done, do what needs to be done here. Do not be afraid because fear is going to kick up or discourage, lacking the willingness to take action. Don't do that. Um, why? Why should you not be afraid? Well, he says... For the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work of the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. Notice David doesn't say to Solomon, be courageous, be strong, do the work because you're so talented. Do the work because I'm just so proud of you. You won every trophy as a kid and I just think you've got a bright future ahead of you. Do the work. Don't be afraid because what color is your parachute, son? Uh, oh, the places you will go, you can't, he doesn't do any of this stuff with him. It's not about Solomon. It's not be courageous and step forward because you're just so tough. And he didn't, he didn't appeal to his family name. You're one of my sons and no son of mine's going to back down from a fight. He doesn't do any of that stuff. 
our courage to take action, our willingness to take action is based on our connection to God and going, he will, and, and believing that he will not fail us, that he will not forsake us, he will not let us fall. And maybe this is the hardest part of wisdom. When we strive to be wise, it's, it's not even just the knowledge of wisdom, not just knowing what is the wise thing to do, it's, it's making it happen. We know, what's, what, we know what wise eating looks like, but we're afraid if we eat that well, we won't enjoy our food. We know what wise living and exercise looks like, but we're afraid I might injure myself or I might feel like I'm wasting my time or I'll get too sweaty or whatever. We know what, wise, uh, a, what a wise career decision might look like, and it might mean say no to this opportunity or, or something over here, uh, but we're afraid that if I say no, what if no opportunity ever comes up again? Like maybe I feel like I have to do this, and we live and make so many decisions primarily based out of fear. And when we do that, we're saying, God, I know you're big, I know you're powerful and strong and all that, but I just don't quite trust you enough. You're good on the global stuff, I guess, but as far as handling my life, um, I'm too scared to do what you're calling me to do. I'm too scared to do the wise thing. Um, and this is an opportunity for all of us. If we're going to be better, if we're going to grow, if we're going to change, we're going to become what God calls us to be, um, we're going to have to be wise in our decision-making. Um, and to do that and to really execute on that, we're going to have to have courage. We're going to have to have the willingness to take action. And so I want to close just by praying for courage for us. Um, because my guess is that even right now, there's hard decisions you're facing. And, um, and, and knowing the wise thing is, is, is most of it. But, but having the courage to step into it is, is the rest of it. So let me, let me pray as we wrap up here. Lord Jesus, uh, help us to be courageous people, wholehearted, to be uh, willing to take action and, and not give in to our fears. God, so often um, fear is behind so many decisions that we make. Um, but God, this is an opportunity to trust, an opportunity to trust you that you know better, that you have seen uh, you see the things we can't see. You see what's going on behind the scenes. So God, may we uh, trust you in this moment and in these decisions that we're facing. God, for those of us who have heavy stuff on us today, this week, this month, this coming year, um, may we um, seek wisdom like, like silver. May we go after it like with all of our heart and mind and our soul to, to really pursue it. Um, and to pursue you, who's the author of the wisdom and who's behind all of it. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.